And welcome back. I'm Mike with another edition of the Turntable Teachers. Hope everyone's doing well, having a good, had a good Columbus Day weekend. I am here tonight with another edition of Night School, and a very special guest is with me. I am with Brendan McGillan, a.k.a. 13PM, a local Boston producer, uh, on the come up and really excited to have him on the show. Brendan, what's going on, dude? Not too much. Just uh, Honestly, I haven't even made that much music in the last two weeks, and I feel like a little identity crisis coming on, but like, it's all right because, you know, more music is going to be made soon. So, and you just dropped an album pretty recently, correct? This, I, the- I dropped a single, uh, this past week on my birthday, actually, uh, on the 25th. Happy um, belated birthday. Thank you. Um, weird random thing about that. It's actually the same birthday as Donald Glover, uh, Will Smith. Okay, so you're so you're it's in like, some pretty good company, dude. I think there's another celebrity, but like those are the two that like mattered the most to me as a kid, <laughs> you know, or like and, and as an adult. I'll I'll just be straightforward. About oh, of that. course, dude. Um, if, but you like, if you still don't like Will Smith, I mean, come on now. And Donald Glover's a, like become legendary, man. Yeah, like yeah. he's just Simba and the Lion King. He is, he's he's doing I mean, this like whole like I'm the super celebrity thing. Literally, it's like okay, I mean like. I, Live your life like like uh, I have full respect for it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. he's like I rap, I act, I sing, like I produce. Yeah. He produce. I mean, Atlanta is one of my favorite shows. I oh love yeah, that no, show. he's brilliant. Like I, like and like one of my favorite things that he's done is actually like one of his oldest things. Weirdly, uh, have you seen Mystery Team? No, great film. Not. It's a it's a movie. It's a movie. Um, it's with him and basically the YouTube channel that he like had with uh, some friends. Um, I'm not. I'm not even familiar. This at is all. like way back. Um, and like basically, it was the thing they did. There were like short skits called Derek comedy. Huh. Very weird. Um, but you know, funny. A little dark humor sometimes. Uh, yeah, but have you ever seen his stand-ups? Because he's he did some awesome stand-up comedy oh, too. His stand-up is incredible. No, he's he's. I mean, he was a writer for uh, uh, thirty. Was it thirty, 30 rock? rock? It was thirty yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would show up on the show. Very like, successful in guy. the background, like often. Um, yeah, but he's, no. he's a great dude. He, he's successful. I mean, not that I know him, but like in terms of like, you can just tell like somebody's kind of uh, how genuine they are and the sure. humility that they have, and it, yeah. you can tell like he comes from very humble upbringings, and that he's just a humble. You you heard it him rap about it on camp like one of his older projects like sure. growing up you know the way he grew up yeah so obviously any Donald Glover fans understand and if you're not I mean you know if you don't know Childish yeah. Gambino Donald Glover it, it, I don't know nah, he's, this he, is America was one of the biggest hit hits last year yeah I mean for a lot of different reasons yeah so that was a good one that was a good one oh for sure so we're also gonna get into 13 p.m.'s album pretty soon uh in this episode as well so when did you drop sleep talker um that was, was that last year or recently that was recently that was i, I dropped it a few months ago okay um, so like summertime yeah it was this summer um sleep talker so yeah this was a fun little project it kind of came to be from a, a handful of beats that i already had produced and this is kind of my process when i'm like creating a new project is I find like a vibe from three beats that I like want to connect somehow. Okay. And then I kind of 
either create other beats or find older beats that like blend those other beats and like they have similar aspects you know so like try to keep it's like almost like themes um well this one seemed to have a very like i mean the album title sleep talker and listening to this the i've listened to this now a handful of times through it by the way people it's if you like instrumental hip hop or just instrumental music in general, I mean, obviously he's on the show, so we're a fan. Check this thing out. I think it's really cool. I mean, it's a quick listen. It's like twenty three ish minutes, twenty four minutes, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like super long, and it's but it's the thing is like for me with it is so the, obviously it's called Sleep Talker, and I really do feel like Sleep Talker. It fits, you know what I'm saying? Like the the title of your album, just like the the vibe of it. It feels super dreamy and ambient and like atmospheric and light. And I really like just, it's just a, it's just an easy listen. I, I would almost put it almost, it's almost more easy listening than it is hip hop in some, in some respects. It really is. I mean, I, I have one thing I love about um, the concept of like most hip hop production is that sampling is like a heavy device that like, it's essentially like the most fusion like there's no genre that creates as much fusion as hip hop. It's part of the reason it has such international success because you could put a hip hop beat under almost anything and it can sound amazing. Like ancient like Chinese instruments and stuff like that, Spanish guitar and like that that's like a huge like like category of music is like Spanish trap like that's like a whole thing. Well, it, well we even had we even had the conversation before uh, bef- like before we we started recording this, mm-hmm. that hip hop's more like American born of an of a genre than most genres. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you know like I mean? it's interesting because you know, I feel like America has like painted itself as the melting pot, and it's like in a lot of areas, yes, that's a hundred percent correct, and it's it's beautiful. But like, there's parts of the country that are still super like white. You know what I mean? And like there's resistance to things, resistance to change, you know? Oh, 100%. And, like, with hip-hop, it's, like, the fact that it's as, like, American-bred and it's, like, it's this product of, like, the melting pot is gonna go down and it's gonna go down right here. That's kind of, like, where this whole, like, hip-hop culture comes from and it's, like, a lot of, like, disenfranchised people in society are just, like... And, like, oppressed people are just, like, fuck it, I'm gonna jam out to this, you know? Oh, and 100%. Then, Eventually, like white people were like, you know what, this does this does slap, and like <laughs> I, I don't know why my parents were so like against this, and it's like, well, if you only hear the mainstream shit of any genre, it's gonna be kind of offensive, probably. Like, uh, yeah. Rock music mainstream is like always about like an angsty like fuckboy who's like, why won't she love me? Like it's like something along those lines, you know? It's well, like well, rock music, and I think it was. My, my, my mom was growing up she said that the rock music sometimes was, was like viewed as like Satan's music you know what I'm saying it was seen yeah, as like true. the it really, really extremely had a negative connotation to it a lot of oh yeah like you know those types of so it, it's funny how generations kind of it, this thing these type of things tend to recycle just in different ways that's because, very real yeah you know what I'm saying like because hip hop I agree with you like I think you know what you know what I think killed hip hop was for sure I think was 2000s hip hop I think that killed music. Yeah, well, that that killed music for a while. I agree. I actually had this conversation recently with a coworker. Okay. Um. So I think it's interesting we talk about this. Two thousands music was like, that's when corporations were like, oh shit, we got 
we got the KFC secret formula to making slappers. And people were like, all right, okay. They were, they were, we were kind of fooled by it at the time. And like rock, like this is like where a lot of the emo shit came, came to be. You know what I mean? This is where pop punk come from. And it's like, and, and I'm not, I'm going to front. I'm not going to front. This is where ska came from, and I used to love ska, and I listen to that shit sometimes, and I'm like, eh. there's there's some of it that's great, and then there's some of it, like every genre of music that you listen to, and you're like, oh my god, these lyrics are like beyond offensive and like kind of cringy and creepy and like maybe racist, like like I was listening to a Weezer song, and I was like, I used to love this song, and now I'm like, it's a uh, El Scorcho, I think. Okay. I was never a huge Weezer guy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I liked. I I was more. I hopped on in like during like the Beverly Hills era. Sure, sure. Um, I was more be- before before much more before, before that. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, like any probably good Weezer fan would. You know, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself the biggest. I, I've never seen the appeal. That wasn't really the type of music that I really gravitated towards. Like I, my mom grew had me growing up. Like I've said this before on the show a bunch of times, but I, I was more of like a product of. Elton John, Fleetwood Mac, Marvin Gaye, that type of genre. Frank Sinatra was a huge one. Oh my god! Okay, like we I, Frank Sinatra's played in my household all the time. I think that's one of the reasons why I think I I kind of gravitate so much towards jazz and blues, and why I was really glad to hear a lot of like very jazzy, groovy influences in your album, the Sleep Talker album that I, that you just released. I, that really is what draws me for sure. Like that's why. Like for for example, on your album, man. Like personally, I, Darn is my favorite. I think that is has the grooviest, like catchiest uh, guitar lick to it, man. I, that thing, oh, that thing sticks in my brain. I love it. So, and then, and then you have like a really cool like snare hi hat blend there. Like that, that's definitely my favorite track. So yeah, it's funny. Like with Darn, I, it's one track that I was like kind of not sure about when I was releasing it it's it's weird like I just had this like hesitation and I was like this is either gonna get good reception or bad reception and I have a lot of people being like no like I've been surprised by the reaction to that one in particular and I'm like I'm glad I left it at the end Um, do you know who said that recently who uh do you know Dermot Kennedy I don't think he so. so he's a Irish uh, singer and he literally has a quote on his n- latest album and it's 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 pretty fucking funny okay he says uh, and I quote uh, I really am the worst person in the world at recognizing what a potential hit is Dermot Kennedy tells Apple oh, yeah. music and you know so so it's just funny to me that it's almost like artists that not that, that you guys second guess yourselves but you you don't even really it's all personal preference because you don't really understand what tracks are gonna be the hits and what's not and i i can't think of off the top of my head other artists that have said this but i feel like if i think long enough there's i remember i can't remember who but it was an artist or a couple artists that have said that in the past so you guys are definitely are not alone in that sentiment like songs that that people made that they were like oh this is gonna suck or this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be received well and then it's like their single their hit like their not the single but like their best song on that album or whatever like some people can claim it yeah it's just interesting to like see how that how it it listens to not only the person who makes the track or but also the you know the listener it's cool yeah it's like weird because like the process of like deciphering what makes music good is like something yeah. that like every artist thinks about, and it's like when you listen to a song, you're hear you're hearing a recipe of sound. 
Like for sure, and that's for what sure. like written music is. It's literally like okay, if you want to make the like beet cake, you gotta throw in the flour here and the like hi hats here. It's like you know you could make. That's why the metaphor of chopping beets and like oh I'm in the kitchen. It, it all applies because there's so much overlap between the two things. I'm actually one up, so I've been using a green screen for some okay. of my newer promotional stuff because, you know, just whatever flair you can get, you know, it's it's not, I don't think of it as gimmicky. I think of it as like investments to like just improve quality of content. Well, um, I mean, that's why we brought Sam and uh, Andrew on with us because through that, the social media, the marketing thing, that's not my, that's not my strong suit. Like there's a, um, it's tricky, man. You have to, is. you have to like. Like, I took a nine-month course on this stuff, and, like, I feel like I just scratched the surface. Um, And I actually got to, like, use uh, the course to, like, fund some, like, promotions for my music. So I got to do some experiments, like, in the music sense. Um, It's weird thinking about your your music as a business because people think that's selling out. And it's like, you you wouldn't be like, oh, this guy is making chairs... But he wants money for him. Like, <laughs> what an asshole! Like, well, well, why doesn't he with, just yeah. share the chairs with the world? You know, <laughs> it's like because he he used materials to like learn how to make those chairs. He spent a lot of time just wasting money making shitty chairs for years until eventually he was like, "I can sell chairs finally." Yeah, and then he has to buy materials to make the chair for you. And like, that's a great metaphor. And it's like, like it. that's like being a musician. I've been doing this, making music since I was like, I, I want to say like seriously since I was 16. But I've been okay. like around music and making it probably like touching instruments since I was like eight. There was a period where I was just like, I would visit my uncles, get to fuck around with his guitar, and he would like he would be like well that's weird you're holding it upside down but he wouldn't like interfere he would just be like that's what hendrix does like that's cool um so why were you playing it upside down i'm a lefty oh so did he only have right-handed you know, guitars like, like most people do they only have right-handed guitars because most uh, people are right-handed so you were playing his so sorry so so that was your influence to kind of introduction to music like so your uncle your uncle yeah. brian you said it's my uncle brian yeah your uncle brian so you were playing upside down I was playing upside down to um, play cuz there was no lefty guitar. Yeah. <laughs> like I when I first like started to like playing music myself, Damn. I actually started with like drums. Um but oh, okay. like I always loved making melodies and it's just like that's something it's 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 pr- music production, you know. It's really like a puzzle where like you need to spend a lot of time sp- studying each piece. You know? I get that. That makes sense. And it's like there's a lot of things meshing because the uh, you know like the art of sampling alone baffles me. Like the things I can hear people do with like a two bar loop, Kanye and make West. an entire beat with it. I'm just like when I try to do that, I just feel I feel like my beats always come out corny. But like there's people who can just kill it. Like and it's it's like people like DJ Premier and like Pete Rock. These guys are like they'll like take a single record and like they could flip it into like four beats like that's wild I, I don't have the patience for that it's weird and I like using instruments so I've always just chose to sample myself all the vocal samples on the album are me like singing and no like, way just like there's no sample on there that's not like a vocal from somebody else and all the instruments are samples from things that you've played as well yes and no I do use MIDI 
Um, okay. But like, I, I pretty much finger drum exclusively. I use a, a Kai MPD or MP, yeah, MPD 218. It's like an MPC, but it's digital, hence the D. And it, it's a really great thing because it has great knobs for automation, which okay. basically means I can apply an effect to it and if I'm playing a sample like I have the drums loaded up in the pads and then I have a sample playing that's melodic I can automate that sample that's melodic to have an effect say like a a lasery sound or a chorus that makes it sound a little underwater or I can add stutters where it's like and that's some that's I like doing stuff like that and I'll create my own samples and then just kind of try to like think of them like samples yeah no that makes like sense the challenge of that you know what i mean yeah you like create sounds and it's like what is a sample really well you didn't have a lot of vocal samples on your album but the one song i feel like that had a good amount was more love why not and i that i think that's just like that's one of my favorites too i, I noticed off your album like because i it's just i think it's really mixed really well um it's funny it almost sounds like it could have like it sounds more like a modernized equemini to me like i i, I heard that influence a bit like huh like out, old outcast if you've ever yeah yeah well, ever... I, outcast andre three i actually really appreciate that comparison andre <laughs> 3000 he's like I what introduced oh me to God. like being a weirdo and being musical and i'm like i've been weird since i was a kid and music is like one of the few things in this world that made sense to me so oh, for I was sure, just yeah. like all right andre 3000 here we go my mom bought the clean version Dude. Of that album. Which and, one? Which one? Uh, the one with like, hey, uh, and all that shit. Dude. And my like, parents made me get yeah. the, get the uh, clean one too. I didn't, I didn't hear the free. Well, that's, was just like, that's the first hip hop album I ever owned. Yeah, no, that was, was a great the album. Was Box Love Below. I've said that before yeah, on the show. Speaker Box Love Below. Dude, amazing, right. amazing album. And I didn't go back to Outkast until much later after that. Yeah. Like all the old stuff. Sure. But same thing. I didn't even hear the, the, the uh, dirty, ver- like, uh, excuse me. I didn't even hear the explicit version until like years later down the road so all those songs sounded brand new to me again like years later once like i was in high school and my mom and my my you know my mom didn't care anymore about like, yeah exactly the, the, the swears and stuff like that well it's like that's but what i feel like i was so funny oh sorry that's that's when i feel like we weren't like using our mom our parents to get music like we just would go and get music or steal oh, of it course. off the internet that's like yeah because you're influenced i think well yeah that's a good point because like you're influenced by i think like your tastes and stuff i think you're influenced by the people that you kind of grew up with and that you're around and things like that because like like i said like my mom was a big influence on my on my taste as well and even my cousin chris to an extent like He's one someone that got like he wasn't his intention, but he got me into hip hop too because I used to go to his house a ton when my dad uh, when I when I visit my dad because my dad was living at uh, my uncle Phil's house for a while, uh, like when I was a lot younger. And uh, Chris is a lot older and he had moved out, but he had all these albums. Like and that's when you bought albums, right? Like CDs. Like that's yeah. when I bought. Like I said, I I hadn't had a uh, Quemina, uh, speaker box club below yet. No, no, excuse me, I had, but. I'd only had like a few. I had that one. I had like College Dropout. I had Get Rich or Die Trying and 50 Cent. And then uh, I had the Games documentary. That's like all I had. And I remember looking through his his albums. And I and that's when I stumbled upon uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic. And I listened to that right away. And I was like, 
oh my god then that opened me up to a whole new world of of hip-hop that i didn't even know like this west coast g-funk type music and it really like sent me on on a whole path dude like and and that's why i I mean i love hip-hop just for the for that reason i think there's so many different subgenres of hip-hop especially now and people will only go towards the the mainstream side and say oh okay well this is what it is but there's so much underground stuff that if you just dig like there's there is stuff there that's part of the reason that right we started this podcast because i want to share some of that stuff like sure not the hip-hop but just all genres but anyway yeah like it's crazy there's like east coast hip-hop and west coast hip-hop is like a thing that happened in the 90s and this is when like music was still like very like regional had its effect there was pop music that was like this is famous oh yeah regional musicians could like make a living playing like just like out you know what i mean oh, for the sure. economy was a lot less shitty like <laughs> for one uh for two like it wasn't like streaming stuff it was selling albums and when you're selling a physical thing it's easier for people to make that transaction but with streaming you have to rely on something like spotify to give you this like fraction of a sliver of money i don't even know the actual percentage but it's like well it's just point yeah. zero 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 you, that's all you need to know to be like all right there's got to be a better way to do this, but like it's the way people listen to music is streaming services, Apple Music. There's new ones coming out, and it's like, well, what, what was the one Jay Z just dropped not long ago? Title, title, or something yeah. like that. I don't know how that one's doing. But the, I don't the thing that, is, like, SoundCloud is another way that people like kind of it's that's personalized. It's what people can afford, you know, because titles costs more. But like, there's more exclusive stuff from like these cool big artists, you know, if if you're into that with like Spotify the playlists are like one of the biggest reasons Spotify has so much like of the market when it comes to music and stuff like this and relevance but Apple Music is is a giant too because a lot of people are faithful to iPhones to the point where they're just like Apple Music it, it works and it's like I can make my own playlists things don't get added to them that's the thing that happens in Spotify playlists if you don't pay for it. Yeah. Things will get added to your playlist. Like, that's so <laughs> annoying. Like, I remember finding that out and I was like, that's another reason I get annoyed with Spotify. I I actually use Apple and people give me crap for it. And I don't understand why. Because I, I like Apple Music personally. Cause I do I, too. I think it's I like I think it's a little more user friendly just personally. I, I like the layout of it much better better to me. Spotify. It's just a search feature is more efficient. It shows you yes. artists, yes. songs albums playlists and, and that's my tapes. and that's my guy like that, that my well, they don't side, do mixtapes that's that's one default. no mixtape that is the but, one default of apple that there are certain things on spotify you can actually find on it. but then actually i feel like that's vice versa too but anyhow there's give and take with all of them with all of it yeah i think there's gonna be something that like you know there's gonna be a lot of weird little revolutions in the next like 10 years i think and then there's gonna be a really big one where in like because the young people are like fed up with what old people have been doing you know what i mean but in the meantime like the way music is gonna change it's it's gonna be something that's not streaming and it's gonna be a way that musicians can make money but people don't have to like break their backs to spend it because like i've seen so many artists start gofundmes and like a patreon page at least those are legit you know what i mean because it's like you're offering something sure to the people who subscribe to this sure um like i know people who do you get uh the song for a, a download and then you get a synopsis and like a acoustic version as well that you wouldn't be able to get on a streaming service exactly um and then like if you're a producer 
like I've heard people do this as Patreons or whatever. It's like you'll get an exclusive if you donate to this. Like I'll make a beat for your album. Okay. Um, and like I'll I'll cover mixing and mastering. You know, I would never do that in any other circumstance. But you know, if they pay the, the right amount, it's a it's an exchange of services. You know. For sure, and it's it's like it's weird, but uh, you know, there's a lot of little hustles that you have to do. It's like a, it's a series of hustles, you know, that you gotta stack on top of each other. And I feel like that's just the situation. Is like, oh, for sure, no, diversifying I... your incomes. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to do it. That's that is that is a way to do it, honestly. Like I got registered with BMI recently. What's that? So BMI ASCAP. Uh, it's like, or, or ask if I should say, um, it's basically, you know, if you go on Google images and you search like pretty lake and then you see a picture with the watermark and it's like Getty's address, it's a stock image. Okay. Basically this is like the equivalent of like a internationally like recognized version of that for songs for people who are like producers making commercials and they just need an instrumental and things of like that nature. People who like have podcasts can often look up into these if they're like I need some good intro music for this. Do I want to like find some weird shit with this? That's that's what they do, you know. Mm-hmm. NPR like they'll play music that's uploaded to that stuff, you know what I mean? Like in between. If you've noticed on NPR, sometimes there's like lo-fi hip hop going on. And it's just yeah, like, I love NPR. I mean, the tiny. I love their tiny desk sets, especially like I'm a oh, huge yeah. guts. Like I love the tiny desk. That's like huge I, fan of it. I feel like that's like one like major goal that people are like, if I make a tiny desk, I'm doing well. Um, I'm, my relevance is. Like at its oh, peak, of course, because oh NPR God, yeah. is like you're super relevant, even though there's some artists that I don't necessarily think it's that's it's one artist. Oh my God, who I'm such a dick. Uh, you know, Hobo Johnson, dude. I love Hobo Johnson, I hate him. You hate Hobo Johnson? Uh, he's like, he's no. like a pop punk guy who's oh. like, I'm not a rapper, and it's like, uh, first of all no one asked if you were a rapper but he like includes that in a song where he's like but i'm not a rapper i'm like a slam poet or some shit like that I don't dude know. i, I am... think he's super like he thinks he's being super cerebral and it's just like uh, uh i'm all into hobo johnson man especially lately i'm really into him i i, I fuck with him heavy i think dude with hobo johnson it's funny i think his humility is really what I what draws me to him. Fair enough. And I really like how real he is and I just can respect sort of the way that he makes music. And again, he uses a lot of really cool folk, jazz, sort of alternative inspired music and that's again, that's my draw, man. Like that's yeah. really kind of my bread and butter and instrumentally it's awesome and I think it's it's weirdly melodic because there's no real rhyme or reason to a lot of the songs, but they just he finds a way to sound good, and I think he can hit some pockets as a singer and as a rapper. Um, especially some of his flow patterns can be really cool. Again, like I said, like I'm an, I'm an English teacher, so that makes sense that I like somebody that, that does like slam poetry. Yeah, but I, I however, I, I do see how people might not like he might not be everyone's cup of tea, and I yeah. and I get that. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like I'm, I see a caricature almost with him. Okay, and it's okay. like I've seen this thing before almost, and it's like I feel like 
It's like the uh, the guy who brings an acoustic guitar to a party and then starts doing like R and B covers on the like or like hip hop covers on the acoustic guitar, and it's like you need to not do that. <laughs> like, stop. Um, that's that instrument is not meant to play those songs. You know what I mean? Like, right. And it's like weird because it's like if it's done really well, no one will care. But a lot of the times it's not. You know what I mean? Understood. I and get it's that. like I feel like more often when that happens, it's not, and it's just like ugh. I I also have like weird judgments though about music in general. Well, you know no, I, mean? like, everybody, I feel like we all do. Oh, that's what I was about, about to say. Like, everybody it, does. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's not really, you know, it's it's just yeah. What is your cup of tea? Um, Fair. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so let me ask you this: What? So you said your uncle Brian was like an influence for you for like some of the thing, like your the musicality of um, your taste and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else kind of like inspired you early on as a kid? Was it more? Was it more your uncle? Was it anybody else or or anything else that really like sparked your interest or any like groups that well I had a- up you listened to? I know you said you were an Outkast fan, so that makes sense. Yeah, because I I heard some of that like I said on on a track so. Well, one thing that, like, weirdly got me, like, very excited about music was, like, in a lot of fields, like, being a lefty is a draw, but in, in music, like, it's almost like you're, like, a unicorn. You're, like, a dragon. You know what I mean? Like, on stage, if you have a lefty and there's two guitarists or a guitarist and a bassist and one of the people is a lefty and a righty, you have symmetry. That's fucking like I'm just putting it like that. It, it's like a weird thing to think about, but like it is weird. Balance is a part of music, of the ears. You know what I mean? And I feel like being a lefty in a world designed for righties forces you to find balance a little better. You know what I mean? Huh. I don't know. A lot of famous people and a lot of very successful people are lefties too. Obama's a lefty. Paul McCartney's a lefty. Paul McCartney's a lefty. Yep. He plays a lefty bass, um, and uh-huh. Jimi Hendrix a lefty. Oh, Hendrix, of course. Um, He's the th- only one I've ever known. I think a few presidents. I think JFK was also a lefty, actually. Interesting. I, that might be wrong, though. But there's, it's like one of those things where it's, I don't know, there's like superstition. At the end of the day, like I, that's about as like relevant as like a star sign or whatever. Like If you believe in that, that's fine. So, so being a lefty is definitely something. And, and then you said, obviously, your uncle. So, yeah, else. I wanted to bring up my other uncle, my Uncle Jack, uh, because he's he's a guitarist and he, he plays, like, incredibly. He's, like, he should be a professional guitarist, but, like, I feel like he was too into science. Okay. So, like, I've always been impressed by this guy because he's, like, a physicist and, like, we would talk about sound waves and shit like that. He would tell me, like, he would explain to me, like, how waves work and, like, how it's connected. Like, that I, I, he's a really cool guy uh, just because, like, he's just such a well of knowledge. You, you, um, but both him and my Uncle Brian... And then my dad was, I, I'm not going to act like my dad wasn't supportive of my music. He was super supportive and like they got me instruments as gifts when I was a kid, like for like Christmas and stuff. Like, but like if I didn't have these people to like kind of be like, look at this stuff, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so that's, I, I, I always like kind of give a nod that way because I think like music is one way that like in a world where men bonding and like expressing themselves is very weird still despite the changes that happen in the world you know what i mean it's I do. like 
there's a lot of it's like the generational divides each generation that's like gets older has a harder time unlearning the shit you know what i mean right and, and there gets to a point a threshold in that divide where it's not even about unlearning it, they're so deep in it that it's it's too late for them to unlearn and it's kind of like ingrained in like almost like their personhood and that's like a whole thing you know and it's like weird trying to be a person who's you know it's like we're both dudes in this world who are like fuck like this whole male identity shit was bullshit so like what do we do now you know right right <laughs> you know, exactly like, i guess no, we should it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because hmm. you it, it was a way for you like you're saying for your your uncles and your dad and you you to bond without kind of like addressing it as a bonding moment because like yeah you're like oh of course not that i agree gender norms and gender. I, that's a whole different podcast though <laughs> oh it definitely is definitely is yeah. <laughs> um so you said that you you obviously you're a hip-hop fan obviously you you do obviously like alternative and rock and, and things like that some of the like the influences you've addressed with like, like a jimmy hendrix um paul mccartney things like that uh, what other sort of genres do you gravitate towards and what kind of helps draw you inspira inspiration in some of the beats that you make? So one thing I want to like put out on the table right now, I am not like a lifelong hip hop listener. That's oh, fair. I, I, my, <laughs> my dad was a white man. Um, my mother was a white woman. <laughs> they created a, a white child. Um, but they weren't like bad people, you know. They're not like racist or anything. They were influenced by media and the ways that, you know, people are and shit was different and people have the exposure to other people that they have and that affects their outlook. But like, you know, they tried and they tried to make us tolerant and they, yeah, I think did a half decent job. Like, this whole thing with the influence of music like i got into hip-hop probably about six years ago okay started making beats um because <laughs> i you know i had friends who made music but i moved to seattle for a little while to live with my dad um because i was going through some mental illness stuff um and I kind of got into isolation a little bit, and I was I was songwriting more than anything with an acoustic guitar, but um, I wanted to find better equipment to record with, and eventually I got like a, I had a Mac, so I was using uh, Garage Garage Band, Band. you know, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what a lot of people Our, start with, you know. I remember Garage Band, and then um, Garage Band. It's funny because there's a program Logic specifically for Macs, and it's it's essentially just Garage Band's paid older brother. Yeah, I started with that. I actually found it when I was living in Seattle. I went back to school for a little bit, and there was a hip-hop club there, and that was kind of like my social thing, so I got huh. really into that. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that, because uh, some of my students that I had last year, they want to start a hip-hop culture club, or well, I guess technically they've already started it, because we've already had a meeting, but they wanted me, because of the podcast, they've, you know, they had overheard I had one, and blah, blah, blah. And they want to start a hip hop culture club and they wanted like me to kind of, they want to do it in my room and like, cause every club needs like a, at schools needs like a, not a mediator, but like kind of somebody yeah. that oversees or whatever, like a teacher. So I said, yeah, sure. So it's been really cool. Like they're coming in, like sharing songs, sharing music with each other and playlists next week or by the time we were, you know, this comes out, I'm sure we'll have already done it, but we're going to, uh, this is really cool video that, uh, 
fellow teacher, colleague of mine, mm-hmm. gave me. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but yeah. literally talks about how Shakespeare and hip hop. There's like a really cool parallel between the two of them. Oh, and absolutely. Sort of how, and like, like I said, like like a guy like Lil Wayne mm-hmm. actually raps in iambic pentameter a lot of the times. Yeah. Which is freaking really cool, and the iambic pentameter comes from Shakespeare. You know what and I'm what, saying? Like, what so the, genre dominates um, the like concept of music videos right now? And like, not even right now, but for like the last like ten years, like oh yeah, hip hop videos have been some of the most like innovative produced like things like compared to like TV shows. Like you know what I mean? Like some of them are like crazy, like deep and stuff like that. Like. Jay Z's um, uh, video for uh, the one I'm spacing on the song's name, but he's like the "I'm Not Black, I'm OJ" song. Uh, oh, 444. that's four forty four. That's off of four forty four. That was uh, this. Uh, that was just called the story of OJ, wasn't it? The story of OJ, yeah, wasn't that's it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like th- that video, like the animation, and like the way unbelievable. He, it's like I was like, this is like he he went in like full budget for this, and I'm like. It is a movie, you know. That's the that's the idea is put, put, putting people in this setting, you know. And uh, hip hop, like it, it fully immerses you. It brings you to somewhere else. It puts you in somebody else's shoes. And like most of the genres of music, it's not that they don't do that, but like it's not as multi-dimensional. Interesting. Because Interesting. there's there's a lot more culture ingrained with hip hop than like other genres in America, at least. And the culture ingrained in a lot of like other genres in America are kind of strained and weird, like um, you know, like the story about Leonard Skinner. I don't know the story. Uh, with uh, Sweet Home Alabama specifically. No. So apparently, like it's a response to a Neil Young song, uh, and this Neil Young song was a protest song to like lynching. Oh, no but kidding. like it wasn't like a we agree with you sort of response song. You know what I mean? And it was an agreement or it wasn't? wasn't oh, it was wasn't, not. so it was completely opposite. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, gotcha. and okay. it's like, it's like, huh. it's like a weird, like, fucked up thing that, like, I found out kind of recently, and it's like, what a surprise, another American thing that is actually deeply racist. <laughs> That's actually really interesting. Yeah, right? Like, because hip-hop at the core, if anything, and now especially, is becoming more accepting than yeah. any time. I mean... Even with um, the LGBTQ community, like it's a Tyler the Creator coming out, like uh, Kevin Abstract from Brockhampton, yeah, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different artists you can think of. Um, I think there is also I think Kehlani. I believe she's bi. If I'm not oh, mistaken, okay. I don't want to yeah. want to say that for sure. But hip hop, and then like I said, I think someone like Eminem breaking that barrier in a in a culture that was predominantly black. Yeah, and now you're also getting so many white rappers you're getting so many latino rappers you're getting i mean there's, the list goes on and on yeah of kids that like hip-hop i mean i and then i i've had students over the years that are of all different races and genders and and races especially and nationalities mm-hmm. and all of them love hip-hop so it's really really cool man I, I totally concur that and agree like the hip-hop i think now has become the most accepting culture and it's also the most diverse I would I would be hard pressed to find a more diverse. Even when you go to hip hop shows, a lot of the times those crowds are always diverse, always. Yeah. So it's true. I mean, like, it, and I remember like a, fr- a friend of mine telling me he was just like, I think the like, in terms of actual like sales 
like the biggest consumer of hip hop is like white kids in the suburbs. Like, and it's just because Boss, like essentially. <laughs> well, and it's like that's the joke is like that's where like a lot of like the new like people who are into it is happening is like kids kind of like you know stop listening to what your parents are telling you to listen to and listen to the other music in the world it's like that like Amish rite of passage you know but with music it's like all right we're not going to shelter you with music so I hope this doesn't destroy you (laughs) you know and it's like because there's some music out there it's like that is it's like candy for the brain it's like oh this sounds nice however nothing's happening after you don't feel grown slightly after you listen to that and there's like a lot of music that does make you feel like that but it's not ever gonna be it's never the mainstream but it should but it should be oh my god and that's why like totally agree that's why artists like Kendrick Lamar and like Donald Glover I think are like cool and like like super important and J. Cole like I know a lot of people think they're corny but it's like I've heard it about J. Cole I've never heard corny with Kendrick and Donald uh, with, and uh, Gambino per se but I've definitely heard that sentiment with J. Cole I've heard people call J. Cole just flat out boring and I can't for the life of me understand why yeah I don't know I think it, like he doesn't indulge with the flashy shit and like a lot of people want that you know of course they lo- like they won't admit it but they low key like want the visual you know like aesthetic of it and it's like the this happens in every genre and it's like there's a lo-fi joke like where it's like lo-fi beats and chill study anime and it's like a picture of an anime girl studying but it's like so many people are posting these like chill lo-fi edits and it's like either a tv show like an anime and i i consider my music lo-fi because yeah lo- like the point of lo-fi music is it's not actually a hip-hop thing specifically it's the idea of when you record it, it's an a it's an aesthetic of mm-hmm. recording quality mm-hmm. and that's why like it's a producer thing it's a beat maker thing it's not really like a artist thing but it's becoming more of an artist thing they want that with their art is that grittiness and so like i'll use things like this recording device and like play it back through for that like kind of like rusty effect you know sure um and it's it's funny with modern technology the drive is to make your sound dirtier you know like for a lot of people they're like it sounds too plastic it sounds too clean because it doesn't sound like a real instrument it doesn't sound like an actual guitar being strummed or an actual piano being played if especially if you don't know what you're doing production wise because you can absolutely make midi sound real if you know how to mix properly but if you don't know what you're doing it's gonna sound flat it's you're gonna have no dynamic range and right gonna just turn into mud in the mix which is what it needs exactly i agree but some people will be like the mud in the mix it's lo-fi you know like it's shitty recording and that's like a joke is like what is lo-fi it's essentially making your recording equipment work with like other equipment and like vintage equipment essentially so like i got the sp404 not even actually vintage that came out in like the 90s well i guess now that it's about to be 2020 that is a little vintage that's weird Um, it is yeah if you so if you could actually make a beat or make a let's say say if you can make a song with any any artists okay uh, like a, like a dream scenario song. I did this with uh, Shout Out B Leafs, who came yeah. on our first very first uh, guest speaker episode. Okay. Uh, 
if you could have a dream song scenario, who would you have on the track? Damn. Um, right now, <laughs> this is weirdly specific, but uh, he's like a he's like a lo-fi pop artist now. Hobo, like, Hobo Johnson. Not oh, I'm thinking <laughs> he is a little bit of a lo-fi pop artist. I'm only just kidding. In a weird way, in the like that's like not an inaccurate description. But uh, this artist Joji. Uh, oh Joji, yeah. I, I've I've always appreciated him. His, his his voice is very interesting. It's not. I feel like. This is me calling out somebody a little bit, I guess, but like I actually liked his new album, so it's not me hating on him completely. I think Joji should have had the success of Post Malone. Interesting. And I liked Post Malone's new album. I loved it actually. He's he's like embracing the fact that he's pop star and he's going full pop star. That track with Ozzy Osbourne shouldn't make sense, but it did. Dude, I had the same. I was like, this yes. isn't gonna work. It's like, and I was like, yes, I had the same uh, conversation with Washi. Yeah. On a couple weeks ago, on our on the on our second guest speaker episode, oh my gosh, we yeah. said the same thing. When I, I when I saw the track listing for Ozzy Osbourne on Post Malone's album, I was like, uh, uh-uh, there's no way this is gonna work. And it freaking and Travis Scott, mind you, too, as well. Like, like you said, like you have a you have like three artists that don't make sense on a track together yet. It does. Yeah, but if there's if there's an artist. Yeah, Joji is definitely one. I like I, that I, a lot. I I really like his. I think his voice is very particular, and it's like it's it's delicate. But then every now and again, there's these wells of just like power, almost like it's a little like watery, almost. I don't know. I, I would say watery is a good description of him. The track that I was slow dancing in the dark. That's that's the that's one. The track. I, I love that track. There's a it's million a really of those anime edits for that track. Real, oh, I, I I believe it. I mean, you could picture anybody laying on their couch after a breakup, like listening to that song. That's like a, what a lot of this like lo-fi hip hop beats to chill to. It's a like, classic. End yeah. up being that's the trope, you know. No, I do. Joji, I think it would make a lot of sense on one of your tracks for sure. Um, but like that's something that I'm trying to get more into as well as just making acapellas like I've heard most people tell me they're like yeah I download them sometimes but mostly I just figure out a way to cancel like phase cancel it and I'm like that sounds more complicated than it actually is and I know that for a fact but cool don't execute (laughs) (laughs) oh I won't um man it's been been really great talking to you and I want to just also um one of my last things I always like asking guys that come on the show uh, what are you listening to these days? So um, Cody and I, uh, we do a little thing called song recommendations okay. uh, for homework for our listeners to kind of keep the uh, keep the keep the school theme going. So if you had any song recommendations or like not even song recommendations, but like what do you what's kind of going on in your what do you, so you use Apple? Is that what you said? Apple Music, yeah. So yeah, so what's uh, what's in heavy rotation on your Apple Music uh, scene these days? So there's there's three things that I'm listening to a lot. One of which is this artist who's actually local to Boston, um, Cliff Notes. He he just put out a new project. And it's called uh, Why the Wild Things Are. Hmm. Great title. This dude is on like a different wave uh, with like he's he produces too. Um, so I'm I'm sure there's like a lot of his own produced stuff in in this project. I'm not sure exactly how much, but like. There's definitely some, but he has two tracks on that album. It's a, it's a part one and part two actually called uh, "Losing Crowns." Losing Crowns. Um, I'll have to check that out. And it, it's 
like just beautiful like uh, art like sonic art like it's yeah. beyond music you know what i mean like i don't know how else to put it like this al- the album itself was like a masterpiece like when i listened to it i had like a very emotional reaction afterwards i was like i feel like i felt this guy's feelings and like that's at the end of the day what the point of making music is of so course. like that yeah. was like very cool um, it was like a very like bare like intimate out experience like listening to that album I was like well well fucking done uh, I got that way with James Blake's assumed form this year mm. that's another out al- that's an album that I thought that I really felt that like that way for so uh, yeah those two tracks um, track from Joji actually uh, Sanctuary it's like his new pop track okay. it's like super short. And, like, I feel like he was just, like, making it as a throwaway, almost. Like, it's super, like, almost, like, cheesy. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. But, like, you could tell he had fun with it, and it's, like, you can hear the fun he had with it. Like, he enjoyed making it. And I feel like that's something, like, I really seek out with new artists is, like, were they sitting down being, like, I gotta make music? Or were they sitting down, like, I get to make music right now? Because, like, I'm, I'm trying to approach music with that attitude myself. Uh, I love that depression can in like mental health shit can get in the way but like being able to sit down and just be like <sighs> breathe be like alright I need to play some keys and finger drum <laughs> like, and you just let it come to you and yeah, yeah it's just like I'm not really in myself when that happens you know it's just like letting that happen and like I could feel that with that song Sanctuary yeah, so I think my last song is probably, uh, it's a throwback, but I listen to it a lot. And I think it's just cheesy, weirdly, like, cheesy romantic, but, like, it's that, like, 70s R&B, you know, vibe. Uh, Bobby Cadwell, uh, Ooh. What We Won't Do For Love. Uh, I or, love or that. Or what, what, what You Won't Do For Love. Yeah, dude, like, I, know, I know that song. So soulful. Oh, my God. Dude, uh, yeah, oh, my God. Well, I, I love that song. That's really old school. That's a throw. I haven't heard that song in a while. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that track. 19, was it 78? 1978. Holy crap. Yeah. That's one of my favorite jazz songs, honestly. He's really, he's, he was so talented. My God. That's a a solid little uh, crop of songs there. I'll have to check out the first uh, three or four that you, that you mentioned because I haven't heard those, but the Bobby Caldwell song I've definitely, I've definitely heard. So, Dope, man. And that's cool that they're Boston artists, so definitely tag them and shout them out and all that good stuff. Yeah, the Boston scene is doing a lot of really cool things. And Yeah, uh, I, I would and, agree. Uh, it, it's it's cool being a part of it, but like I, I feel like I'm just getting to meet people who have been doing this for a while, and they're really the like core group root of the Boston scene. So it's, it's fascinating to be learning from people who have been doing this since the like 90s. You know, since the early 2000s, and they're just been like, I've been doing this cool stuff, and you're new to it. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, so I got five for myself as well, five recommendations for you guys, the listeners, and one of them is a song that you actually produced for Ali Orko, Phases. Oh, okay. And I loved that track. That's like the that's first... A, that's like, that came out last year, and I remember you showing me that about a year ago when we were hanging out, and I remember... Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fun tune. That's actually like my only streaming collaboration with a rapper right now. So that's, that's, I I like that one. Um, and I'm, it's like one I'm very fond of. He's actually based out of Ohio. Um, and, uh, really great dude. He, he, when I met him, he was doing production 
had a website. He's a pretty good rapper. Like he's 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 a great rapper, and he's he's got a higher register voice, so it's a, he's got an interesting voice. I mean, he he's he gets annoyed by it because like you know when you have a higher register voice as a rapper, people are like, oh, you sound like Chance. It's like no, he sounds like his own thing. But I got some Chance vibes, but I would I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought he's not biting Chance by any means. No, like, no, that, he's uh, he's his own thing, and he's oh, it, for sure. Like he uses a lot of lo-fi beats. So and he yeah, you, he sings a lot too. Like he's got a lot of emotion on a lot of tracks. Like, you guys had a lot of good chemistry. Uh, I, I, so I like that track a ton. Um, another so this is an older track uh, from the band uh, Alternative Group from out of Wayland, Mass. Air, ever heard of them? Oh yeah. Air, well, that was way back. I have a song called Songbird. Okay. It's just a really cool, just kind of a jam track. I love that that song. It's one of my favorites that mm. they've ever done. And uh, so just to kind of get another buzz, and that came out like a while ago, like maybe like 2012 or something like that. Okay. But that was a that's a really fun one. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Jay Thurston. He's a Bay Area rapper, and he okay. uh, has a uh, new album that just came out called King Season. And uh, his outro um, Fate features Washi, who we just had on the show a couple weeks ago. Mm. And oh man, really really cool track. Features like some nice introspective um, lyrics and, and instrumentally, it, there's some cool moments too. It's got some nice ambient keys, a really catchy guitar sample, and then it ends with like this percussion that gets like that feels very grand and it kind of blends in. Uh, and then my guy Washi gives some really cool melodic uh, vocals on the hook and just kind of makes for a great cut. I almost wish it was longer, believe mm. it or not. It's only like it's just under two minutes, but it's a great track. And I got two more. The next one is. Are you an Anderson Pack fan by chance? Oh yeah, I love him. He's, Dude, he's awesome. What do you what do you what you think of the newest album? I loved it. Um, it. It's this is like a thing I've talked to with a few friends about, and it's like there's there's hip hop and like rap and music that's like written for like people with a little who are a little more seasoned with life in mind. You know what I mean? Who have oh, it's, it's, it's more, more jazzy. It's more melodic. It's it's, it's more lot. melodic, but even the content. And oh, like for sure. One of the first songs, make it better with Smokey Robinson. Yeah, and it's oh, just it's, my favorite. They're just that. like singing about being adults in love and then falling out of love, or you know, like yeah. being infidelitous. And it's like it's super like the culture like of like that stuff is like so casual with like a lot of people, and it's like. I'm married, and I, I don't I don't think that's a casual thing. Like, I'm oh like, no, I think being married is cool. But um, fair enough. I I think <laughs> I'm with you on that one for sure. Uh, anyway, so a lot of people don't remember that Anderson Pack dropped that joint project with Knowledge way back uh, and under the name No Worries. Yeah, and there's a song called Like This on there that I think really fits your aesthetic, your vibe. And I think that would be like a cool track that you probably liked. So I don't know if you've ever heard that one, but that's actually one of my that's one of my favorite tracks off that album. Off that album, like, yeah. I think that, it was the most popular. Anyway, I think it was like the single or something. Like it, that. it. I think they made a video for it, um, but uh, it, it's a very descriptive, very a lot of imagery with it, and like Anderson Pac is really great at painting pictures with Agreed. his words. Like he, really he, he puts you in a place. He he makes a setting. You know, oh, it's 100%. not just like a picture of like a thing. It's like. I'm gonna put a setting for this thing to go down. Yep, like, fair enough. Um, and then the final track that I have is uh, "Contradictions Maze" by Odyssey. You ever heard Odyssey? Nah, dude. This has a really so kind of going off the jazz thing, uh, the jazz you know conversations we've been having earlier today, and kind of the the vibe of this. Uh, he has a really strong cadence in okay. his voice, um, very very strong, 
and he really takes command of tracks, but his instrumentation is is very colorful. Wait, is Odyssey and, two E's? Yeah. Okay, I, I'm aware of him. two D's. I, I don't. I can't. I couldn't name a single one of his tracks, but I do know of him. Sorry. This track is called yeah. So I said this track's called uh, Contradictions Maze. Has a really awesome horn section, man. And uh, the singer that's featured on it, my I think it's pronounced Mayamona. Mayamona Youssef, I believe, is is the pronunciation. If okay. I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. And but she drops a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous chorus on here. Uh, really, really great singer. So that's another good track that if you haven't checked that one out, definitely give that one a listen. It's again, like I said, really strong horn section. His voice sounds so it just mixed so well with the strength of the of the mm. instrumentation. So uh, I'm really a big fan. I'm excited to check these tracks out. Yeah, dude, yours too. Dude, 13 p.m. Thank you for coming on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. We had a great, uh, great conversation here. A lot of, a lot of just definitely diving into some interesting, you know, topics and societal things. And I appreciate you being as honest and real as you as you have been throughout this whole time. That's what make the, makes these as enjoyable to do and hopefully as enjoyable to listen for our viewers. So I appreciate your time and and thanks for coming to the show. And so is his new album, Sleep Talker. It's out. The new single is called what? The new single is called Inside Out. Um, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at 13pm productions and 13 is spelled out it's not the numerals uh, and uh, I'm on Facebook I don't use Twitter <laughs> we don't either but um, Sam's gonna try to get us one but anyway or he's going to get us one yeah um, yeah it's been a pleasure to be on man I'm happy to be here and uh, I'm happy to support what's going on dude yeah and this Boston you. scene is bustling and there's a lot of people who are contributing a lot and it's cool to be a part of you know all of it and you guys are a part of it you know I know dude thank you we appreciate it we're, tr- we're trying to be at least and uh, you know and the like turntable teacher aspect is important too you know like this needs to infl- this music in- needs to infiltrate the schools <laughs> yeah no like good music real honest music not stuff that they're hearing on the radio you know what I mean like exactly. real honest music that is ingrained in this city there's mm-hmm. a lot more good than people understand and realize and yeah we want to be a platform we want to be a voice for the boston music scene it's just kind of something that we envision now and yeah. uh you know we've had to, again b leafs was on incredible washi incredible you've been amazing this has been uh you know it's just cool to bring different perspectives on and, and hear from real artists and or people trying to make it i mean it's funny we all we had this conversation a little earlier like before you go we, you know we'll get to this but mm-hmm. we all had real jobs honestly and this is this a lot of this is just our side hustle and we're hoping to make it and yeah. and or not even make it just define success for ourselves i think you, you know what i mean because it's such a different not to go off on that tangent but it's just success is such a, uh, a uniquely uh independent thought i think i mean idea. success is failing oh 100 yes. like you you can't like even if you do succeed in the very 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 beginning you're not gonna make that last you need to fail that's why so many people do fail when they break you know break diamond on their first strike of the pickaxe you know it's like you you gotta be willing to go through lots of shit and that's like that metaphor is used a million times when talking about success but everyone's right around the corner and also a mile away it's like the the cat in the box success for me I've, I've I used to define it by you know 
am I making money from this or am I getting reactions on social media? And, um, you know, it's interesting. Social media, the things that a lot of people associate with success, when I studied digital marketing, social media is like, those are nice, but they're actually not giving you money. So why are you so fixated on getting more of that? Right. right. Um, likes is like one of them, like page likes. Yes, you want that. But like content likes, you want comments more than you want likes. Engagement is engagement. Oh, the levels of engagement yes. makes the huge difference. And it's like, hey, if somebody if you have five likes on something but you have three comments on it, that's gonna do better in the Facebook engagement uh-huh. algorithm than something with like six or seven likes and no comments. Fair well, enough. Like because it, it's not all people don't see it and think cool they see it and think cool i have something to say about this and when people have something to say about something that's what starts the traction of this is relevant right you know oh, dude, that's so true um, that. and that's kind of a part of the like instagram engine too but yeah. it's like those things are constantly they're updating them because people try to hack them you know like oh. people try to scam it and um like liking lots of shit and like commenting like oh like my page like this and like that and it's like you'll get the scam posts all the time but you know amen dude well follow this man on instagram at 13 p.m productions (laughs) and facebook and his music is available to stream everywhere you're available to listen to music so 13 p.m on so on the uh streaming services though not 13 p.m productions to clarify you got it yeah so 13 p.m on streaming services 13 p.m productions on instagram my man it's been real i appreciate your time and uh you'll have to come back when uh some new music drops we'd love to have you again absolutely happy to be here all right man uh this is mike the turntable teachers and class is dismissed